go. Here we are again for another episode of the Iron and Love cast. Today I am joined by young Nicholas, aka the guy who used to coach you, aka the guy, the lifter your mum told you not to worry about. AKA not the youngest guy in the room anymore. AKA, yeah, I'm just going down and down. The next guy who's <laughs> going to coach is actually going to be fine. It's actually going to be Florence. <laughs> right, today's questions. The, the, we, we pull in your questions from throughout the week and then we answer your lifting related questions. So, question one Max Effort. In Max Effort training, when is it the right time to call it and move on to the next movement? Is that a question? Yeah, that's a question. To me. Well, to both of us, to the gym. So you just say, you know, you've observed a lot of people doing max effort work. What do you typically see? Well, when, when's the time to call it? When do you call it, yeah. When the coach says to move on. Yeah, but say they're trying to get used to be a bit more auto-regulated on that. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, so say if they were, for instance, training on their own. Yeah, or just, you know, they're trying to look in their own training. Like, say, for example, you're, you're using your auto-regulation and the prescription is RPE 9 to 10. Okay. For one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's put it into your language. Yes. So uh, for, for anyone listening, uh, me and Warren, we, we approach training a bit differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that Warren likes heavy stuff. All the uh, time. All the time. Um, I like to stay away from heavy stuff. All the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> So, we're, so we're going to use some, some terms there that you might buy, not be familiar with. So the term RPE. They don't care about RPE, just answer the max effort. No, no, so, so, so I'm, 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 I'm trying to translate it into like what that means max effort wise. So he said, okay, so what he means by max effort to me, it, he, well, he translated to me and said, okay, what would an RPE 9 single, are we, saying, are we talking about singles? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, so an RP9 single. For me, that would be any single where I feel like I could have done, as soon as I finished the rep, I could have done another rep, but only one more rep. So it, you have to have this kind of like gun to your head mentality of someone has a gun to your head and says, you have to do another rep, and you need to be confident that you would be able to in that scenario. Okay, so... Um, in in terms of the conjugate method, the way the, the actual prescription they would use is when using the max effort method, you're looking at no more than two to four singles at a weight above 90% of what you can normally Okay, so, so you could equate that to a nine out of ten difficult. Yes, so um, a 90% single would be about, and now this is different for, for, for people, uh, individuals, but on average, a 90% a 90% weight you could do for a maximal set of three, give or take. For, for men, it'll typically be lower, a lower percentage. For women, it'll typically be a bit higher. Yeah, so that, by that it means if you can pull, theoretically, say 100 for one, 90% for, a, a lot of these volume, uh, these um, percentage uh, prescriptions were based off of men's training. Yeah. So women may find they can do more than 90% so, quite easily. Yeah. So what, what, what you'll find for, for women is uh, they typically recover faster between sets. And also they can just 
they can fucking blurry work in, in a way that men just can't. Men can get kind of like a, it, it's the same way like that, that men get the flu. When men get the flu, they become like drama queens and they, they feel like they're dying. Yeah. It's like yeah. when, when a man does like a heavy single at RP9, it's like, no, no, actually, let's take it to the extreme example. If a man does maxes out on a heavy single, i.e. gun to his head, he could not have done another rep, that rep nearly fucking killed him. Like for the next four days, he's going to be complaining about how shitty he feels. So what you're saying is once a man's done his load, that's it for a little while. Yes, exactly. And girls can keep on going. So that's, <laughs> right. that's exactly that's what I'm saying. Snickers. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right. So a woman can do like an RP9, 9.5, maybe even an RP10 single, give them five minutes, <laughs> somehow they can pull another single out of their ass. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird how that, how that works. Okay, all right, moving on to the next question. Um, Someone asked me the other day, why block pull? Why do we block pull in our program? And the answer I said was, if you're Nicholas, you don't. <laughs> so I used that as yeah. a juxtaposition, right? I used that as a, um, you know, you, your training, you use a very high level of specificity mm. compared to what we do. Yes. Uh, which come, will come on to some other questions. Because, because I plan on competing in powerlifting. Yes. I specifically want to get better at the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. Whereas if you train in here, it's, it's more about general strength and quality of life. Yeah, so we, there's a, there was a question about longevity and lifting as well we'll come on to. Like, so if you train like I do, it's probably, I would argue that your quali like my quality of life <laughs> is lower <laughs> than it would have been if I just didn't train as hard as I do. And I would also say, when, because I use, a sim I use the conjugate method as well in my own training, I would definitely say my longevity in training has increased. Mm. I'm still able to lift very heavy and improve, but I don't have the pattern overload issues I used to have when I trained using linear periodization. Yeah. Do, do you know what pattern overload means? Uh, pattern overload, doing the same thing over and over and getting an overuse injury. Yes, in exactly. So I, as I, my, when I talked about this with someone, I was saying someone like Nicholas, because he's young, he can endure a lot of this, mm. whereas as you get older, joints wear down, you're not able to, to um, I mean, endure as much, yeah. and you have to consider that when we design these programs for a group, we have to assume a lot of them are generally a bit older and a bit more beat up, and that lifting is not, like competing in lifting is not a primary focus in their life. What, what also plays into that is certain movements um, beat people, certain people up more than others. Yeah, which is individual. Yes, yes. So. Um, like a, t a term that, that I've heard used quite often, uh, or that, that my coach uses, my coach is, uh, he's just some random guy in California. Um, he uses, he, he has called himself being uh, injury prone to squats in the past. His body just doesn't tolerate squats well. So he, sub he takes out some of his squat volume and supplements that with other work that focuses on the lower body, specifically the quads and the glutes. So he does belt squats and high bar squats, stuff like that. So if, if, if you're in the situation that I am where I literally only care about my competition squat, my competition deadlift, my competition bench press, I, I don't have really have much of a choice. I need to practice those movements, right? Yes. Whereas, if I'm just training to try and get stronger, I probably would, I, like, I wouldn't care so much about 
the, the variations I do. I, I do high bar squats one day, safety bar squats, front squats. I, in fact, I could experiment, find the squats that beat me up the least, i.e. I can do the most of without feeling like trash, and then do that because I don't need to get good at a specific thing for competition. Okay, my counterpoint to you there is once you reach a certain experience level with those patterns, you don't need to train very frequently. So as someone gets to a more experienced level, they, can, they don't need to touch the competition movements very often, and they can get away with doing different variations more frequently without having to get beat up, and then they can still train and compete at a high level and still make those that, competition that, That's not a counterpoint. But well, I mean, it's a counter to, um, to the training very specifically all the time. Right now, that's what you're doing. Yep. That would assume that your lifts are not ingrained yet and you're still refining them, right? Oh, yeah. That, At some I mean, point. That's yeah. definitely the case, yeah. especially like anyone who's ever seen me bench knows my bench looks like, yeah. <laughs> like trash. And then once it gets to a level where that variability goes down, like, you know, for example, just a very simple one, the bar touches in the same place every single time, mm. fairly consistent that's when you're able to dial back the specificity. Um, but for the average person if, training... So here's the thing. Hmm. If, it does, if bench doesn't beat me up, I'm not going to dial back the specificity because it doesn't beat me up, which means I can get an adequate amount of volume without having to change anything. The only time I would change specificity is if it beats me up. True, yeah. Um, even so, how do you know you're not accruing an overuse injury through doing lots of that, doing the same movement over and over. Well, I mean, I'll know when I get injured. Yes. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, getting injured is not that big of a deal, if I'm being honest. Not when you're young. For example, oh, yes. the last time I had a pattern overuse injury in 2017, I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> Still <laughs> so, you see what I mean? So, when obviously we're talking about high level injuries. Clearly, you haven't taken it. enough CBD yet. No, I've never, I've never taken CBD yet, ever. No. Um, and and you, you probably don't have to. I'm, 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 I'm talking with you. <laughs> so, when you're programming for a group, you kind of have to cater to the assumption that people don't have the, 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 the boon of youth upon them. And which we know because you're looking at the people on average, you can see what's present, right? Yeah. So you do have to program in a way which is a bit more varied. A, it's more, it's enjoyable. Variation is, is enjoyable. Keep, keeps you, things fresh. Yeah. You, you're balancing specificity and progressive overload with variation, specialized variety. Yeah. And you want to keep people fresh so they don't get beat up and don't get those overuse injuries. Um, yeah. Right. Moving on to. Can I, actually, can I just add like two points onto that? Um, <laughs> so, one thing, you, you can kind of, well, if you do keep your specificity low, um, and what, what that implies is keeping your variance high, mm -hmm. or variability high, I should say, uh, you have to kind of like taper expectations in that sense, because any, anyone knows, just intuitively, you can't, your rate of improvement when you when you focus on many different things is going to be lower at those specific things. It's like CrossFit, right? Yeah. CrossFit, so, CrossFit is on good at everything because they try to be good at everything. So you also have to define what progress is. Yeah. So if yeah. someone said, I'm competing in powerlifting, mm. that may 
I mean, even then, I don't think you need as much specificity as you okay, so need until it gets close to the when, when When I say progress, I mean um, objective measures of like yeah. weight in the bar yeah. for, for a given movement pattern, mm -hmm. right? So when you look at those things as markers of progress, or even if they are just proxies for whatever change you want to happen, um, you can if if you focus on many different things, you can expect that progress to be l slightly like less consistent or like less predictable, I should say. Um, in the short term. In the short term, yeah. In in the long long term is a completely different completely different behavior if you look at like the graphs. And definitely, uh, when we talk about longevity, like that was one of the questions about you know if I'm when I'm planning out group training programs or individual programs, I'm assuming that person's in it for the long haul because mm. to not do so would be a waste of time. Yeah, right? which actually feeds nice, nicely into like the second point I wanted to, to oh, make here. Yeah. this too, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, and this is something I picked up from the Barbell Medicine guys. So, uh, where they, they have this novice program. Okay, the heathens. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I would I would say that they're the, the enlightened ones who who anyway this, this is no this is, no, I'm sorry, so, so, so this this is all just niche stuff uh, that yeah. only me and Warren know, knows about. Jokes, right. <laughs> right. Anyways, so so they they've got this program with, with which intentionally has high variation because their like their hypothesis is that when you increase variation, you also increase the robustness of the athlete. Because in real life, everything, like, you're not a machine. Everything you, every, like, big movement you do on, like, small levels will differ. Like, if, if you walk, like, every step you, you take is slightly different from every other step. Stuff like that. Yeah. So the idea is increase variation so that when you find, when your body finds itself in some unique position, it has been through an, an enough range of different other movements so that it doesn't get overwhelmed. Well, this, this makes sense, right? Because strength is specific to position. And if you mm. only ever train one position, you, become, you don't have strength in others. Exactly. So when I'm Which is why I'm so terrible at, at, at helping people move. Because like, unless you have like a bubble-shaped object that you literally only want to move like a meter, yeah. I'm like... <laughs> terrible. Yeah, okay, so this is, I mean, but even with a barbell, if you've got, if you're used to lots of different variations, you have strength in different positions. Even if you were to just take, say, a barbell and put a, a pad on it, and ele you know, taking it further from the center of gravity, you're now yeah. in a different position. Yes. And if you get strong in I that mean, position as well, in the long term, you've got lots of different positions to work from. So if you go into a sport or anything where you're taken out of your normal groove of your competition lift, Yes. Since yeah. for sports performance, there's also a case for increased specialized variation. So when I say specialized variation, it doesn't mean just variety for the sake of it, but different squat patterns, different pulling patterns, different bench patterns, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Here's a question that you'll have fuck all insight into. Box height. What height do you set the box at? Oh, you won't. You don't have no, no insight. But I mean, uh, yeah, I, I might as well just not answer know. this because it's quicker. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I, I could give, like, like, like. You know yeah. the textbook answers. Yeah, like, it's yeah, but no, no, no one cares what my my, my uh, is. Okay, so box height. 
generally they should be set around, but this, this opens up a slightly bigger discussion. Uh, generally your box should be no, set I, I know what my answer is. Oh. It depends on what your goal is. Yes, good. <laughs> your goal is to generally be strong, that's true. Generally setting the box up around about parallel where the hip crease is about the same as the height at the top of the knee or slightly below, that's about right. You don't need to progressively work the box height down over time, which was what someone was asking about, which you don't need to. Oh, no. uh, and sometimes it may be benefit you to elevate that box height slightly to work around an injury. You know, mm. it, it may yep. be that going into a certain range of motion, your hips just don't like it. Um, so for example, right now I've got an issue where if I go slightly below parallel with my box, my hip, my left hip goes. I can train pain-free, slightly above parallel all the time and I'm fine. If I'm still planning on competing in powerlifting, oh, I'll just wait this fucking old car to go away. Piss off. These aren't great for background noises, mics. Okay, so if you're... Um, I've lost my train of thought there. Yeah, so I, I can train most of the time above parallel and then really just bring it down because that strength in certain positions is going to be plus or minus 10 degrees on a joint, right? More, so, like, like 30, 30 degrees? Yes, I'll assume 10, right? Okay. I can play with that 10 degrees above yeah. and know that when I go to competition, I can just eat it for like three reps, 10 degrees below, probably have some pain afterwards, patch up with the physio, carry on. That's sort of like training sustainably rather than always training super specific below parallel for the sake of being at competition yeah. depth and then fucking yourself up. That's also why I use a box more frequently than most people because I've got some, an injury history where when I go to a certain depth with my knee, my hip, different joints have different problems, even my ankles, to the point where that informs the type of squat I do. Um, the last question we talked about, longevity and lifting, we kind of already did that, didn't we? If, if you know, if you have a program which doesn't have just the same, because someone, you know, some people would love to just do the pure, they love the idea of the purity of just squat, bench, deadlift all the time. If it worked, everyone would do it. But they don't. People do kind of do that. I don't like Some people it do does, do that, does work. But they also do accessories and other stuff as well. Right? Yeah. To well, I mean, legs. to some degree. Yeah. Even you do. Yeah. <laughs> Begrudgingly. Yeah. Some people don't, but like those are. I, w I wouldn't necessarily call them outliers, mm. but they are so like at least one standard deviation away from from the mean. Yeah. Um, uh, so someone that comes to mind is, is Yuri Balkan. Uh, yeah, but that guy's one of the best lifters of yeah, all time. Yeah, I mean, right? some, yeah, like, yeah literally, literally one of the best lifters yeah, of all time. We don't need to talk about him in context okay. of longevity yeah. for the average guy. Yeah. The average person will have a varied injury history. They'll, they'll be a bit older than a youth athlete that's come up through a sporting code and, you know, and um, they generally can't get away with the kind of shit you see on Instagram with all those young athletes performing ridiculous feats all the time. You know, I think that's another thing a lot of people they look at the people that are interested in lifting and training, they'll consume stuff online and they'll see things and they'll think that's just how it is and we, they can do that too. And that's not always no. the case. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. That's just a highlight reel. Even my lifts you look at my shit on Instagram, not that it's it's massive weight but you're you're seeing the highlights. You're not seeing ninety-nine percent. Oh, yeah. you, you, you're seeing the you're seeing the, the victories, right? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, well, in, in your I, I try to vary yeah. up a bit, but still, no one wants to see me curl a pair of dumbbells for a set of twenty. It's boring. Right? Yeah. So, 
you know, real training is generally mundane, generally punch the clock, and generally um, sustainable for most people if done done correctly. Yeah. Nicholas, thank you for joining us today. Fucking phone rail, honestly. <laughs> Ten minutes. Yeah. Oh, last time as well, it was like Murray was here, and he just starts talking, and that was it. My brain thought, so I couldn't scramble. I was a scrambler. I couldn't think at all because Murray's loud and he talks. Um, do you have any messages for anyone in the gym since we haven't seen you in a while? Any, any nuggets? Any nugs? What, what do you mean you haven't seen me in a while? I'm like... Well, they haven't seen me in a while. No, I, I saw them like a few days ago. Oh, okay. Do you I, I saw them on Friday. When are you next going to see them? Oh, now. shit. It, it's Friday today. Yeah, it's Friday. Uh, I don't know. Probably somewhere in the next week or something. Yeah. All right. We'll save your nugs for them in person. And we'll go to the okay. park, maybe. Oh, by the way, my, my kids are away from now for the rest of the week. So if anyone wants to drink a lot, hit me up. On my email. On the DMs. DM, don't DM me. Like, <laughs> do not DM me on Instagram. I'm not going to answer. I get a lot of memes and shit. Like, it's, it's nice and all. I it's like <laughs> memes only from me and Kyle. Well, including you. Like, I, I appreciate the gesture. Gest gesture, rather. <laughs> I appreciate the gesture. Um, <laughs> I appreciate nice. the gesture, but fuck, you know, I ain't got time for memes. I'm a dad. You know, I am a walking meme. I send you like one meme a month. I know, you're not the worst offender. Anyway, I much, you know, keep your memes for people who are, what's the word? Unemployed people? There goes another fucking ban. That's four in one week. <laughs> Rail's too strong. All right, that's, I'm fucking outraged now. I'm gonna have to end this podcast. I'm gonna have to go beat Rail up. <laughs> or not. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he did break a band. Yeah, so. if, you if you don't see episode three, it's... It's, it's right. Rail's gym now. <laughs> Iron and Rail. <laughs> That's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> Alright, bye bye everybody.